Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. The last time I spoke to this man on The Opinion Line, it's quite a few years ago, actually. They were just starting, I think think he was preparing to leave Ireland, to leave Cork and head for the UK to set up home over there. And we had a chat and we had an argument or two and his many, many followers from around the world, some of them loved me, some of them hated me for it. And they went off and they continued to do what they did. I speak, of course, of the Ciccone Jolies, who are now uh, UK-based. They have been for a number of years. They're four kids now. But Jonathan has written his own book. Um, Jonathan, before I before I get to the book, all my friends are invisible. Are the daily videos still happening or have you changed the whole Ciccone Jolie output? Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, we, we don't do YouTube anymore. Um, we, we evolved past that. Yeah. Um, but I do remember our conversation all those years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and it was an inter- it was an interesting chat. It did evolve. You, you do it's a, a lot of TikTok stuff now. And inst- did you just did you just move with the platforms, or what was that? I think we always had a plan. You know, uh, we we've been saying for years that you know we knew that it's fine when like you know when we had a small family, a young family. You know, we were just like filming. It was cute. You know, but once the children you know started getting older, we always said that. You know, we'll reach a point. I don't know what that point is, but we will reach a point where we will probably have to stop, you know. And, hey, it, it was hard, obviously, you know, to walk away from that business because we could have kept doing it for another 10, 15 years. And a lot of people will do it today. But you have to remember that when we started it, we were like, you know, we started, <laughs> you know, the whole idea of social media. It wasn't, it wasn't what it is today, mm. you know. We weren't influencers or you know, what you will see in the media or how, you know, extroverted uh, content creators are today. We were introverted people who just, you know, we were, we wanted to stay away from people and just make videos, mm. you know, and, um, you know, we never saw how big this was going to get, you know, and I think that's, you know, the book starts in 2016 where I had this massive panic attack. Yes. Because, yeah. you know, from the time when I started making YouTube videos up until the point, that point there, this pressure, because I was putting on, you know, um, a, a personality, a projection of a personality that I felt is what was needed to be. Sure. And, you know, and that personality just got very, very famous. 
and with fame comes a lot of pressure. It, it you know, all and, um, you. and it's interesting. I watched one of the videos on your Insta this morning about that describing that particular panic attack, which is where the the book starts. And it's an interesting point that you make there. So there was a personality that you, and I'm sure Anna did the same. There was a personality that you did became for the videos and for the the platforms. And then there was the real Jonathan. And the book is about the real Jonathan, who seems to be or have been a troubled little boy. Well, yeah. um, You know, the the book is a story about a lost child who had a lot of mental health problems. And unfortunately for him, he was born in 1980 in Dublin, you know, and there was no support for people like me, you know, and I considered ending my life. You know, and I still remember it's in the book, you know, that conversation I had with my mother. And she still remembers today. She said it was terrifying that her seven year old child was saying these things to her. You know, and I think that's something we don't we don't give credit to. Like a minute ago, you're talking about the kids being cold in school, you know, and the whole idea of how I ended up writing this because I sat there in 2020 with my four children who were so happy and such bright lights. And then we all went into isolation and they just fell apart. You know, and there was there was no school, there was no help, there was nothing. We were just left alone with our children to survive this isolation period. And, you know, my son was struggling with his identity. And the only thing I knew how to do was to tell him what I was like as a child. And then I started to remember what I was like. And I started to try and try to do what I could. You know, I'm not a professional, I'm not a doctor. I'm just his dad. And I tried to help. And then while I was putting out that fire, fixing that child, I turned around and my other child is falling apart and, you know, um, to depression and anxiety. And she was just terrified about everything and she wasn't sleeping and everything was just falling apart. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I need to save my kids, you know, and that's kind of when we finished um, YouTube. And then I just spent time trying to um, trying to help my kids, trying to save my kids. And, and, and I did, mm. you know, I, you know, they're all happy now. And then. I kind of, during that process, they would ask me like, well, how come you're not the way you say you are? How come you're telling us these stories, but you're not that person today? And then I sort of thought, maybe I should find out why that is. And then I started writing this book. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then funny how I have a lot of emotional trauma. I didn't have a lot of physical you know, um, trauma when I was younger. Obviously, I was bullied in school a lot, and that was quite physical. But it, I didn't hold on to that. That doesn't upset me. But mm. the emotional trauma stayed with me. Um, and then when I started to tap into those emotions, it started to, you know, bring the memories back. And all of a sudden, I was this little boy again, feeling everything. You know, and I thought, oh my goodness. And that's what the book is. It's not. I'm not going to tell you what you're supposed to do or. You know, I'm just going to tell you my story, you know, because I think you and all your listeners, everybody knows somebody today who's just a little bit lost, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you want to help them and, and they may be your child or your partner or a friend or and you and you want to help them, but you can't because everything you say to them just triggers them and upsets them even further and they go further away. So we just we end up tiptoeing around them and hoping that somehow they'll just I don't know, come around themselves. Mm. And, and a lot of the messages I've, I've got from people who've read the book have said, you know, because you're just a stranger to us, you're telling us a story and suddenly you're saying the things that we're thinking and now we feel a little bit less alone. Mm. Start by telling me about Dom D. Now, I think every, I, we all, we've all had our own kids and some of them have had imaginary friends and I'm sure pretty much any parent listening to me either 
you know, their kids had or they may have had themselves or they know someone had an imaginary friend. Oh, Benny has to come to the party. Benny is a figment of the child's imagination. But they're quite happy. If big, if Benny is there, Benny, they're, they're happy. Domdi, was that your kind of a little place that you went in your head to get away from the pressures of the world? Yeah, I don't want I don't want to dismiss it. That's why I called the book All My Friends Are Invisible, Not Imaginary. Yeah. You know, because I you know, you said like you said a minute ago, you know, it's it sounds very dismissive. It sounds really like pandering to a child and their imaginary friend. Yeah. But if I didn't have my invisible friends, I, I wouldn't be here, you know? Mm. So you say like are they are they just this coping mechanism like a soft toy? I d I don't know what they are, but you know, Domdi created you know, Domdi was a respite for me. You know, somewhere where I could just leave. I could just go there and I could just have a break from the world and I could just take time away from everybody and just contemplate what was happening because I didn't understand, you know, I, w- I was this boy, you know, and I was living in a time where I had to just man up and, you know, um, it was just so masculinity and toxic and and yet on the inside I was a girl wanted to be a girl you know and I wanted to express myself and all my friends were girls and I wanted to wear my sister's clothes and you know and it's just I didn't know what to do and I didn't and I didn't know what the voices were in my head and you know it was all very confusing for me but I had to um I had to figure it all out for myself Mm. you know and that was the hard part so you know I I encourage my children to create relationships with invisible you know I encourage them to um talk to people talk to the invisible because there's no harm in it yeah you know there's like you know you you'll find that you can have a conversation and they can be rational you know and they say when when people that we've lost in our family i say keep talking to them you know because they'll give you advice and they'll talk to you and it's healing Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. healing you know but we um you know media and um you know movies and stuff kind of tell us like oh it's all bad you know, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's crazy. And yeah, maybe if I wrote this book 20 years ago, um, I would be locked up <laughs> for saying the things that I said in the I'm book. I'm not sure. You know, but I'm not sure about that, Jonathan. I think, do you know, as I said, and okay, you call it invisible. Some people call it imaginary, but we said friend, friends that the rest of us cannot see. Okay. Mm. And, and, and the friend is, is very important to you or is very important to the little seven year old that, whose mom is listening to us now, that friend is very important to them, is very real to them. And what you're saying is, treasure that. Yeah, you know, let the kid have that because you, we, you know, in, I think it takes, you know, I'm 42 years old now, you know, I couldn't have written this book in any other time in my life. I needed to have four children know what that's like. You know, I'm not, you know, if you read the book, like I'm not angry at my parents mm. at all. I mm. feel more, I am a parent now. I see it from their point of view. I understand that my mom and my dad had um, a lot of problems in their marriage, but, you know, they weren't, it was illegal to get divorced back then. And I was this child, <laughs> these mental health problems, and all they wanted me to do was fit in. That's mm. all they wanted me to do is, Jonathan, you won't be a target if you fit in. And I just didn't know how to do that. And I was mm. so just so self-destructive. And the only thing I knew that worked for me was to go to Domdi and to have these invisible relationships. And, you know, it's funny with the book because my siblings have all read it now. And they've said to me, oh, my goodness, like I didn't know who Florence was. We told there was a running joke in my house where Florence was my brain because I'd always be caught talking to her. Or Domdi was a lamp in my bedroom because I'd always be caught and I would make up a reason 
why I'm talking about these things because it, it feels like a shame. And I carried that shame throughout my whole life. The shame I remember, you know, um, again, if you read the book, you know, I remember my little collection of girls' clothes that I would hide under my bed mm-hmm. because I felt perverted and I felt ashamed of myself. You know, and people would say, oh, did you, well, so you were a cross-dresser. And I'm like, well, that seems so derogatory. Like, I'm just a person and I don't, I choose not to label myself. I choose not to, you know, mm. I have a wife, I've got four children, mm. you know, but I choose to dress myself more, uh, you know, androgynously. I feel more non-binary as a person. I, I just don't identify as anything. And I just prefer just to be, you know, unlabeled. Right. So... The, the the one term was sometimes they used to say gender fluid that that today mm. today I want to wear jeans and a sweater tomorrow I want to wear I want to wear a dress and and whatever but and, I wouldn't say that I'm gender fluid I would say that I'm just genderless okay 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 you know because I don't I don't wake up in the morning and think I want to wear, I don't want to wear a dress I don't wear dresses and I don't want to wear a dress, Mm. but I don't wear jeans and jumpers because I don't want to wear jeans and jumpers. So I had to curate my own style of clothing, which is kind of defined as androgynous, which is just a non-binary aspect of clothing. It it doesn't have a gender, you know, because I just choose not to be. But then that's fine in 2022 for us to have this conversation. But, you know, 30 years ago, this conversation wasn't happening. Yeah. And I just felt that everything was my fault. And I felt my parents' relationship was my fault because every time they would argue, you know, the kids become yeah, an outlet for that. They they become more of an irritant. <laughs> mm. Tell me about when Eduardo um, said to you that he wanted to wear a dress going to school. Eduardo never really said he wanted to wear a dress. You know, he, he's just always been like that since he was born. And it was, and, you know, he goes to the stage when your son and wants to dress as a princess all the time and only play with girls toys. And it was cute, you know, because he had an older sister and it was, it was kind of cute. And I would say to Anna sometimes, but like, Oh, I, I was like that. Like, it's fine. You know? And then, then, you know, what, what would happen is that he would come home from school and all his at home school um, like his uh, clothes at home were all his sister's clothes because he only wanted to wear those clothes. But then he would get up in the morning and he would put on these trousers and a shirt and a jumper. And he, he started he started having this like identity because he was like, wait, why am I two people? How come at home I get to be what I want to be? But then when I leave the house, I have to pretend to be something I'm not. Mm. And um, And I felt like, you know what? No, you shouldn't, you know? Mm. And how, how, like, you did, because there's videos there about it, you, you did kind of say to him, look, you could get bit, you could get bullied about this. And what did he say? Uh, there's no videos where I said you could get bullied. There is TikToks where he expressed that he yes. was getting picked right. up. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And, and, yeah, and I would say, well, that's not, that's not your fault. Mm. You know? Um, and that's also probably not the fault of the children that are saying the thing either. Mm. You know, because why Why are the children saying those things? No, they're not. You know, it's other, it's parents or it's other people's opinions, you know, mm. or it's just society as a whole putting this negative idea. Like my daughter does not choose to express herself in a feminine way, you know, um, but no one cares. It's completely fine mm. because Eduardo chooses to express himself in a feminine way. It's, oh, now this is a problem, mm. you know, but... It was, it was a, it was a battle, you know, I took a lot of, I took a lot of heat, you know, for what I was doing. Um, and people may, you know, would say the most outrageous things to me, you know, but I, I, I know, I know my children 
and I will do whatever I can to make my children happy. Mm. Mm. I asked you this question before, and I'm going to ask it again, Jonathan, and I ask this kind of man-to-man, dad-to-dad kind of thing, even though I'm a bit older than you. My kids are in their 20s now. If at some point do you ever worry whether the, 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 the kids will, when they're older, say, Dad, what were you thinking with all these videos? <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's an easy question to answer. Like when your children are 40, you know, like I remember when we were on last time that your daughter actually messaged me, you know, afterwards, you yes, know, right. and she was, she was, she was annoyed at what you had said, That's you right. know, but then we can't, can we, we're parents. Okay. My, my children will have a problem with something I have done, but they will, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what that is, but if it comes down to the worst thing that we have done is shared part of their life on the internet, which has, you know, allowed us to, you know, have, you know, like build a business. And, you know, like if I were to continue the career that I had before I accidentally became YouTube famous, I am, um, I would never see my children. You know, I, I have a degree in interactive media. I was working as an animator. I would have um, continued to do that for 80 to hundred hours a week. And I would just, I would not be in their life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it's hard to know. It's impossible to know. You know, I have a nine-year-old now. You know, when I started YouTube, I had no children. You that's know, right. Nine-year-old. And that's, that's a challenge. I, I am learning all the time. And I'm like, whoa. And, you know, she's probably one that's the least in any of our content. Because it's tough being a nine-year-old. And then a pandemic on top of that makes it more difficult. You mm. know, I, as a parent, I don't know what's around the corner. But I'm just trying to do the best that I can do. You know, and if that means that, you know, people hate me for and people love me, what, you know, what I what I chose to do for a living is that, you know, I was broke. I, I hadn't, you know what I mean? I'm dyslexic. I have ADHD. I have a lot of mental health problems. I, I fa- all my careers fell apart. Every job I got, I tried, I got fired. I, I can't, I, you know, I can't live in the same frequency as a lot of people. And then I started making YouTube videos. And all of a sudden, I was able to make a business and, and employ people and, mm-hmm. and grow a business and, mm-hmm. and, and survive in this world. So, you know, I, I think my children understand, you know, but again, I, I, I can't, you know. You can't predict. You, no, got, in fairness, you can. Exactly. You, you, you can't predict. Children. And you'll, re, you'll, you'll react in, in your own way if and, if and when it happens. And I think at the time I may not have understood that. I do get it now when my kids are older and have grown up. You started to write a children's book. You've ended up with an adult bestseller. I think you're doing all right, yeah. Jonathan. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Who right. knows? You know. You take care. And uh, best nice. of all the kids. And Tana. All My Friends Are Invisible is the book. Uh, Jonathan Jolie. It's a whole different side to the man. That we would never have seen before. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. Quartz 96 FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.